Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning. We want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church, to our broadcast service uh, here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us and gathering with us here. Now, if you are tuning in today for the very first time in our broadcast service, we want to say welcome. We're thankful to have you. We welcome you as a newcomer to Grace Crossing Church. And we also want to acknowledge that you are with us today. Uh, So in the uh, broadcast description below, you'll find a connect card. If you'll just take a, a few moments today and fill that out and submit it online, we would so much appreciate hearing from you. And uh, know that you're with us today, that you tuned in to our broadcast here at Grace Crossing. Uh, Also, there's an opportunity. There is a a prayer request form uh, in the description below. You can also fill that out. uh, If there's a prayer need that you have, something uh, that you're uh, carrying by way of a burden that you would just love to have a team of people support you with, uh, we have a team that stands ready and eager to pray for your needs. So you can take that online form and fill that out. And submit that uh, today as well. We'd love to be able to partner with you in prayer uh, in this coming week. Now, we want to say thank you to all of those here at Grace Crossing Church that completed our church-wide survey last week. We're so thankful for your input. We had a tremendous response to the survey, and it's going to go a long way in informing us as we prayerfully plan for the resumption of our in-person gatherings here at Grace Crossing. As I reviewed the survey results, there were a a couple of really big takeaways uh, from the survey that I want to share with you today. The first one is this. Nearly 65% of those of you that responded to the survey, nearly 65% of you told us that you would return at the first possible opportunity. Now, in Robert's Rules of Order language, which governs most of our parliamentary procedure here in the United States of America, in, in, in Robert's Rules of Order, that is actually just shy of what's called a strong majority. And so quite frankly, I wasn't sure where that number was going to land in the survey. And I was so thrilled when I saw the overwhelming positive res- uh, response of how many of you are going to gather together at the first available opportunity. I can tell you that I'm eager for that day. I am excited to be able to be back together again as God's family here at Grace Crossing. The second thing that we, that, that we saw as a takeaway is that the majority of those who responded and said, I'm coming at the first opportunity, the majority of those responses told us that they are coming looking for certain precautions or protocols in place. Hand sanitizing stations, physical distancing, and not handling or touching things were among the top three. Here's what that means. There probably will not be handouts and hugging likely in the very near future as we're gathering here physically at Grace Crossing Church. Now, here's the flip side of the equation. That survey told us that nearly 35% of those who responded are actually going to take a wait-and-see approach. In other words, they're coming back, but they may not be coming back at the first available opportunity. So let me just summarize the survey by saying this. I think all of us at Grace Crossing fall into one of three categories based on the survey. Some of you are running back. First available opportunity, you're here, no holds barred, you're excited about coming, and quite frankly, you're not very concerned about having protocols or precautions in place to be able to regather. 
There's another group of you, however, that are walking back. You're coming at the first available opportunity, but you're coming cautiously and you're coming carefully. You're actually looking for protocols to be put in place so that we can gather safely and sensibly. And then there's another group of us that are actually holding back. We're coming, but we're going to wait it out for maybe a few more weeks, and maybe we aren't going to return in the very near future, but we are going to see how things develop, and then we'll make our decisions. So let me just say thank you, because that information is super helpful as we are prayerfully discerning the timing of our regathering here in our physical services. There's a few other things that are actually informing us as we prepare to regather here physically in person. One of those things is the recommendations we're receiving from our COVID care team. About six weeks ago, we appointed a team, a COVID care team, to actually look at and make recommendations on the protocols that we need to have in place that are evidence-based and that will create a very safe environment for us as we regather here at Grace Crossing. So we are leaning heavily on those experts as they're giving us their information uh, and they're giving us their recommendations for regathering. The second thing that's informing us is our PPE, our personal protective equipment. We have ordered hand sanitizing stations. We've ordered face masks in preparation um, for, to be seen whether or not we'll be using those. But the reality is we wanted to be ready. So we've ordered those and they've been back ordered and that is going to inform our timeline. Third thing that will inform our timeline is that we want to create a spatially sensitive space here at Grace Crossing Church. We want to make sure that we are being sensitive to do our part to create the proper physical distance uh, opportunities as we gather. We want to make sure our traffic flow and our foot patterns are laid out very clearly with signage. And so we're working all of that right now and uh, that will inform us. The final thing that's going to go into informing us is our readiness for live streaming. Over these last number of weeks, we have been taking steps, moving us forward to having a live streaming of our physical in-person worship gatherings when we do resume. Now, I'm excited about that because I believe it's going to give Grace Crossing Church a larger, wider reach and a more effective reach, not just to our direct community and congregation, but actually even beyond this community. There are many that have gathered at Grace Crossing Church through the years that I call our GCC alum that still connect with us by way of our audio podcast. But they now are going to be able to join in and drop into our services by way of our live streaming. So I I thank the Lord because in this delay, we've had time to actually begin to take steps to put a budget together, to have a vision strategy for how to be a live streaming church. And that will be something that will be different as we regather here. In addition to all of those things, our leadership is prayerfully discerning God's peace in all of this. We want to gather safely. We want to gather sensibly. We want to make sure that we are putting in place uh, the right tools and the right resources when we do gather. And so I can tell you that a lot of time in prayer is going into all of those things as well. This morning, let me speak for just a few moments out of my pastor's heart. As we are preparing to resume our in-person gatherings, I think the how will be much more important 
than the when. Let me say that again. I think the how of our gatherings will be much more important than the when. Here's what I mean. I mean that there are things that we can do organizationally to prepare our space for our gatherings during this coronavirus season, but there are things that each of us must personally do to prepare ourselves to gather again here at Grace Crossing Church. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, you are God's building. You are God's building. I think that's significant, and here's why. We can do our part organizationally to prepare our physical building and our physical space, but we cannot be responsible to build your building, to prepare you to be, to be able to regather here at Grace Crossing Church. Each one of us must do our part to prepare our mind, our heart, to prepare our attitude and our faith to be able to gather again physically here at Grace Crossing Church. And so I want to encourage you um, that in these next few weeks, as we are moving back toward our in-person gatherings here in the very near future, I believe that our vision is going to be stress test, stress tested here at our church. Our vision is that we see an emotionally healthy church filled with fully surrendered Christ followers. Well, I believe that as we begin to regather, our vision is going to be stress tested. We are going to be challenged at how well we are living up to and integrating emotional health in our own personal lives. Now, in just two words, we simply say and summarize emotional health as loving well. Loving well. Jesus gave the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as your own self. Listen, friends, our Christian maturity is not measured by how much we know. Our Christian maturity is measured by how well we love. Let me say that again. Our Christian maturity is not measured by how much we know. It is measured by how well we love. And we are going to be challenged as we regather to love God and to love one another really, really well. And here's what I believe. I am fully convinced that Grace Crossing Church is up for the challenge to love well. I also believe that loving well provides a safe place for people. That will be one of our highest priorities as we regather again. It will be creating a safe place because here's what I've learned about love. When you feel deeply loved, you feel fully safe. And when you feel fully safe in the presence of others, you feel deeply loved. You, you cannot separate love from safety. So we know that one of the ways that we communicate our love to one another is that we will be sensitive to making sure that those who are gathering here are feeling safe. And we want to do our part to that end. I said this a number of weeks ago, but it bears repeating. I think all of us are experiencing to some level and in some degree a modest amount of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. We all are being affected by what we feel or perhaps by what we fear. This pandemic has created all sorts of feelings in us, hasn't it? 
You may be affected by the way you feel about our community and businesses reopening. Maybe you are affected by how you feel about how our government has guided us through this. Maybe how others have responded uh, to the uh, directives of our government. Maybe there's feelings about even our leadership as we have put a pause on our regatherings. We've not moved in perhaps as quickly as you would have liked. But there's also those of you who are feeling fear. And you're affected by the fear and it's creating stress in you. Fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty, fear of what it's going to be like when you do go out, when you do gather again here in this physical building. And I can tell you that that's real. And so over these next number of weeks, I wanna speak into it. I wanna begin a brand new series today And I want to borrow the acronym PTSD and I want to repurpose it for the brand new series that we're starting here today. I want to entitle the series, Preparing to Spiritually Decompress, PTSD. Preparing to Spiritually Decompress. When something is compressed, something is pressured, something is tense, something is feeling stressed. And the idea of decompressing is the idea of calming down, relaxing, easing the tension. As our restrictions are being eased for our businesses, here's the reality. There is something spiritually in us that also needs to decompress. And we can do our part in preparing for that. So beginning today, we're beginning a brand new series entitled PTSD, Preparing to Spiritually Decompress. I'm excited in just a moment here to lead us in to the very first week of this brand new series. Hey, as we come to week number one of our new series, PTSD, Preparing to Spiritually Decompress, I want to speak today about uh, the topic and the theme, Managing Expectations. Managing Expectations. Let me give you a text of scripture that I want to build my thoughts around today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I've heard some people suggest that because of the directive here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that we should not neglect our gathering together, that churches should have never stopped meeting together, even in the midst of a pandemic, because it's a directive in Scripture. True as that is, we must lay that thought and that directive in the middle of its proper context because it's sandwiched around some other really significant directives that I think we find in Scripture. Now, I think they all have to do with this theme of managing expectations. Jesus knew a thing or two about the need to manage expectations. In fact, it was one of the greatest challenges that Jesus faced in his time here on earth. His mother had expectations of him to be an obedient son. When he was found in the temple at the age of 12 teaching, 
his mother actually urges him to come back with them back to Nazareth. And the Bible tells us in Luke's gospel that he returns and remains obedient to his parents as he grows in wisdom and in favor with God and men. His family actually had an expectation of Jesus, that he would reveal himself and show himself to be who he was before his time. The wedding of Canaan, Cana, his mother actually comes to him and urges him to change the water into wine. His very first response is, my time has not yet come. His disciples had expectations of him. His disciples expected him to conquer and overthrow the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God here on earth immediately and physically. The Jewish religious establishment had expectations of Jesus. They expected him to be silent and to no longer do works in the name of God. Even the devil had expectations of Jesus. In the temptation of Jesus, after his baptism, the Bible says that Satan came and tempted Jesus to turn a stone into bread, to throw himself from the pinnacle, the highest point of the temple, to bow down and worship him. Jesus was surrounded by expectations. But there was really only one expectation that mattered to Jesus. And that was the expectation of his father in heaven. Here's the big idea for today's talk. The way in which I manage my expectations of myself and of others is one of the greatest barometers of my spiritual maturity. The way in which I manage my expectations of myself and others is one of the greatest barometers of my spiritual maturity. Moving forward, there are going to be expectations that we place upon one another. You're going to have expectations of me that will likely not be met. I may have expectations of you that you may not live up to. You will likely have expectations of one another that will be called into question over the next number of weeks and months. And here's the reality, friends. We are going to have to give each other room to manage our own expectations and not be responsible for one another's expectations. In other words, I can only be responsible for what I expect of myself. I cannot be responsible for someone else's expectations of me. And I can't be responsible for managing how we're feeling about what we expect from one another. I think it's really important as we move back into our in-person gatherings that we bring God's word and let his, God's word guide us in how we handle and how we manage our expectations. So as we prepare to resume our in-person gatherings, what should you expect? Well, I think there are generally at least three things that you can expect. First of all, you can expect it to be gradual. There will not be a returning to business as usual when we gather for our very first weekend. The reality is things are going to feel different. Things are going to look different because things are different. And so we must understand that 
And we must realize that we can expect things to happen gradually. Secondly, you can expect that things are going to be different. Services will look different. Our ministries are going to look a little bit different moving into the future. Um, Our programming is going to look a little bit different moving into the future with our coffee station and our kids' ministry. They likely are not going to be the first things to resume once we start gathering again. Third thing you can expect is you can expect a diversity of opinion. There's going to be diversity in opinion for how all of us may feel about what we want, what we have, and what reality is. There's going to be a difference of opinion and a difference and diversity even in our practice together. So today what I'd like to do is I'd like to let God's word inform us and instruct us as to how we can manage our expectations. It would be really easy to take the very first one that I talked about earlier, and we're going to get there, but that we should not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But listen, that is sandwiched between other directives that actually guide and direct how we do that. And so there are at least four directives and four expectations that I think I want to talk about and lift out of this passage today. Here's the first. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. The first thing that I am expected to do by God is I am expected to hold on tightly to the hope that I have in God. Why is God the source of our hope? Because God is the one who can be trusted to keep his promises. Here's what I've learned about hope. When I place my hope in the wrong faces, I often end up in the wrong places. When I place my hope in the wrong faces, I often end up in the wrong places. And here's what that means. If we put our hope in anything or anyone other than God, we often will find ourselves disappointed or let down. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Don't put your hope in people. I mean, no matter how wonderful your connection group leader is, don't put your hope in that person. Don't put your hope in those who lead ministries here at Grace Crossing Church. Don't put your hope in our band. Don't put your hope in our leadership. In fact, don't put your hope in me as the lead pastor or any of our staff. Now, we hope you can put, our, you can put your trust in us, but listen, don't put your hope in us. Put your hope squarely upon Christ because Christ is the one who will always keep his promises and will never let us down. Listen, the reason we can put our hope in God is because there is nothing that God cannot do. There is no promise that God will not keep. There is no need that God cannot supply. And there is no prayer that God will not answer. And because of that, we can place our hope squarely in him because God can be trusted to keep his promises. So as we gather back together, I want to encourage us. And I want to tell you that God expects us that our hope is in him solely 
and completely. Here's the second thing that God expects of us as we manage our expectations. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I am expected to let love lead. I am expected by God to let love lead. In other words, to let love be my lead foot, literally. When I step forward in my relationships, again, as we are physically gathering, I must make sure that love is my lead foot in relationships. The Bible here tells us that we are to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. I want want to ask you today, what motivates you the most in your life? Think back on your life. The times that you have felt most motivated, what was it that motivated you? I can tell you from my own personal experience what it is. It wasn't guilt. It wasn't condemnation. It wasn't shame. It wasn't people's expectations of me. It was when people motivated me by their love for me. When I experience someone's love for me, it has a way of motivating me like nothing else does. And God knows that. And God says that we are to think of ways to actually motivate, stimulate ourselves, spur one another on to acts of love and good deeds. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, he gave us this description of love in these three first words. Love is patient. That, that's how he leads the entire narrative about love in 1 Corinthians 13. He begins by saying, love is patient. Why? Because of all the virtues of love, the highest virtue of love is patience. Just like when you feel safe, you feel loved, When you experience people's patience, you feel loved. When people experience your patience, they feel loved. And we've got to motivate each other by the way that we are being patient in our love for one another. There are those running back, but we've got to be patient with those that are walking back. We've got to be patient with those who are holding out for maybe just a few Weeks longer before they return again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. Here's what Paul goes on to say. He says, love is not glad about injustice. Love is not glad about injustice, but it it rejoices in the truth. The very next statement of Paul is that love always protects. It always protects. This past week, my heart has been very heavy as I know many of your hearts have been, as we've carried the pain of our African-American brothers and sisters who have felt the injustice and the oppression being relived again in the unjust death of George Floyd. Throughout this last week, I've connected with a number of my African-American pastor friends, my African-American brothers and sisters, even right here at Grace Crossing Church just to simply let them know that I see them, I'm with them, I'm praying for them, I'm standing with them, that I'm in their corner, and that most of all, I grieve and I lament 
with them in the pain that they've experienced. I want to be a person who actually lives up to God's expectation of me to lead by love. And I wanna challenge us all to do that in our lives, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works as we are gathering back together again here at Grace Crossing. There's a third thing God expects of us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the second part, says, let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Third thing I'm expected to do by God is I'm expected to be a source of encouragement. I'm expected to be a source of encouragement. To encourage literally means to pour courage into another. How well are we doing at pouring courage into one another? How well are we doing at pouring courage into people's anxiety, into people's fears, into people's concerns? Are we judging or are we listening really well and deeply, empathizing, attuning to their pain, to their concerns? Joyce Landorf, Landorf, uh, author a number of years ago, wrote a book entitled Balcony People. I I, I love the title because in the book, she, she actually talks about two kinds of people in our lives, that there are some people that she calls balcony people. They are people that lift us up. They are people that draw out of us the best in us. And then there are others that she calls basement people. These are people who discourage us, who weigh us down, who don't believe in us, who don't call the best out in us. As a Grace Crossing Church, let me challenge us as we begin to move back into our physical gatherings again, I think God expects all of us to be a source of encouragement to one another. God expects all of us to be balcony people and not basement people. Because here's what I've come to realize. If I am not somebody's source of encouragement, then I'm likely a cause of discouragement in their life. Whenever we are not a source of encouragement, we unknowingly and un intentionally can become an object or a source of discouragement in their life. So how can we encourage one another? Let me give you a few ways. You can do it through thoughtful words. You can do it through thoughtful cards, through emails, through messages, text messages. You can do it through random acts of kindness. And I've heard about our church doing random acts of kindness with one another, and it just encourages and blesses me in my heart as a pastor. You can encourage one another through praying for one another and praying with one another, standing with one another. My wife has decided to make several calls every day just to pray with and encourage some of the people in her circle of influence and people that she knows that she's in relationship with just to be able to pray and encourage them. We are called to encourage one another more every day as we see the day of Christ returning closer, the day of our reunion. Which brings us to the one final thing that God expects of us. Hebrews 10, 25, the first part says it. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some do. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some do. Listen, we are expected to meet together. I know again, some of us may not be quite ready And we understand that. 
The English Standard Version actually says, let us not neglect our gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. In those days, the author is writing to people who thought that they could live an isolated Christian faith, that they could serve God alone and without the community of faith. But just as the children of Israel living in exile were separated from their faith community and had to return and reclaim their place of being together as the community of God, so we too are going to have to reclaim our gathering together as God's family. We're going to have to relearn how to be together again in a loving, safe, and a sensible way. As God's people, we are expected to be together physically, but even more importantly, we are expected to be together spiritually and to be together emotionally. And perhaps that's why this directive of not neglecting our gathering together is sandwiched between all those other ones. Hope in God, loving one another, being a source of encouragement. We can gather together well if we can do those other things excellent. And that's what God is calling us to. God wants us to come together but we must do so lovingly and responsibly. But make no mistake about it. Being back together safely and sensibly is a high priority for several reasons. I could give you a number, but let me give you just two as we close. The first is this. Coming together as God's people is both prescribed and it's practiced throughout the scriptures. Old and New Testament alike, the people of God were expected to be together. And so we understand the value of this at Grace Crossing Church. We understand it's not optional, but we also understand that we must do it gradually. We must do it sensibly. We must do it lovingly. And we must do it in a way that lets everybody know when they're ready that they're welcome to come back to a safe and a sensible environment, a responsive and a responsible environment. The second reason that coming back together is such a high priority is that we cannot live the Christian life in separation and in isolation. It just isn't possible. We are called to live in communion with God and in community with one another. This was practiced so well in the early church. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 44 says, all who believed were together and that all things in common. They were not just together physically. They were, but they were not just together physically. They were together emotionally. They were together spiritually. They were together generously. They were together sacrificially. They loved one another deeply. And they were, they were not just together. They were together, united as one. That's my prayer for us here at Grace Crossing Church. That as we gather back together, we will not just be a collection of people physically here, but we will bring a well-prepared person, a well-prepared building, a temple that we're going to come together. God expects it of all of us that we all contribute together to the worship experience to make it the meaningful and memorable place 
that God desires it for it to be. Grace Crossing Church as a building is just a hollow shell without you. And we recognize being here together again will be significant. And we so look forward to that day. So I want to leave you with this as we close this morning and pray. Let me leave you with this reflection. Two questions. As we prepare our physical space to resume our in-person gatherings, what one personal step can I take this coming week to prepare myself emotionally and spiritually? As we're preparing our space, what one step practically can you take to prepare yourself? And secondly, how can you practice hoping in God, motivating others to love and to good works, and encouraging and being a source of encouragement to those in your circle of influence? My prayer for all of us is that as we manage our expectations, that we'll be mindful of what God expects of us, and that we'll also be sensitive to not try to manage the expectations of others but to allow God to do that. It is one of the marks of our spiritual maturity. Join me in prayer this morning. Lord, I wanna bless our church family. I thank you for Grace Crossing Church. I thank you for everyone that's in this broadcast with us today. I pray, Lord, for our regulars that are here with us this morning. Thank you for their faithfulness and thank you for their love and grace over these last number of weeks. Thank you for their patience. It is communicated love, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you, God, for those that are newcomers today that are just checking out Grace Crossing Church. I pray that their heart would be drawn most of all to you, that you would be the source of their hope. And then, God, if this faith community can become their church family, if they're looking for a church, if they're longing for a relationship with you, Jesus, if they're longing to be part of a community, that is truly a visible representation of Christ here on this earth. We welcome them to be part of us. And I pray for those, Lord, that are joining us that may have been here before, but may have dropped back in or maybe have gotten disconnected throughout this pandemic, but they're here this morning. We welcome them and I pray your blessing on them. I ask God that you'll help all of us as we are preparing ourselves to spiritually decompress over these next number of weeks to be calm, to relax in you. I pray, God, that you'll help us in this very first step that we will manage our expectations by your grace and by your love. Bless each one today and hold them, God, in the palm of your hand, I pray, in this week ahead. May your face shine upon us. May the glory of God go with us as we close our time today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. We pray you have a blessed and a wonderful week in Christ. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.